NEC fans, we are back for our second NEC on the Run podcast of the 2021-22 season. I'm Ron Ratner. I am joined, as always, by NEC insider Ryan Peters. Ryan, are we ready to get going here? It should be another uh, great week of NEC hoops coming up. Yes, let's do it. All right, let's start with our weekend takeaways, Ryan. Uh, only six games last week. What stood out for, uh, for you? You got to start with the LIU Sharks. You know, they win two games, and, man, they're, they're serving up some home cooking. They're now 5-0 and at home this year, um, and they've won by, an av- you know, by a scoring margin of 139 points in those five games. I just – I'm really impressed by the defense. They're really swarming – they're swarming the ball defensively. I think they're one of the best defenses in the NEC. They really match up one through five – not just from an individual basis, but also from a team basis. You know, they they allowed 0.85 points per possession in the two wins. They had 38 turnovers in the games against St. Francis University and Mount St. Mary's. They scored 44 points off those miscues, um, and they held opponents to 38% shooting. So defensively, they've done a really good job for Derek Kellogg. And then, of course, Ty Flowers, you know, 44 points, uh, 9 of 11 from 2, 13 rebounds three blocks, four steals. Kendall Davis, you know, some highlight reel plays. He's kind of turning into Mr. Pick Six for the NEC, much the same way that Javaris Hayes was for Merrimack two years ago. You know, you get a turnover, and he's got basically an open layup or dunk in the open floor. And when you can get those opportunities, if you're LIU, those easy buckets, it just makes it so much easier from an offensive standpoint. And so, like I said, they're, they're playing well uh, and good for Derek Kellogg's group to get back to two and two in league play. Yeah, those baskets are very friendly to LIU at the Steinberg Wellness Center. And I'm a big fan of Kendall Davis. Like watching him pickpocket guys on the way up the court and then go in for layups or dunks, that's like a unique skill he has. And you're right, there's maybe a little Javaris Hayes in him as well. So uh, LIU now evens their record at 2-2 two and two on the season in NEC play. Let's move on to Merrimack, um, now 4-0 and in league play. What are you seeing out of them? I mean, they're just really good. I, offensively, I didn't expect them to be at this level. It's, it's a small sample size with three games, but they're just they're playing so well offensively right now, Ron. 50% from three in the three games, 61% from two. Ziggy Reed's been on fire. He had 20 points in the win against Central Connecticut. Jordan Minor was just, he could not, you know, Central Connecticut just had trouble scoring in the interior where Jordan, you know, eight blocks in that game. And now Jordan has a 27th best block rate in the country at 10.9%. And Merrimack, they're now six and two this season when they make at least 38% of their threes in a game. So we already know how good their defense is, but when they're playing at a high offensive level, this team is obviously an NEC contender. Yeah, let's keep talking defense. I, I like to think I'm a connoisseur of good defense and watching Jordan Minor the other day getting his eight blocks against Central. You know, his timing is really impeccable, his ability to block shots, um, whether it's in the interior or even coming out on the perimeter without fouling. Like that's such a uh, weapon for, you know, they had Javaris Hayes and now just having that guy in the middle in case you get beaten off the dribble, having him there waiting for you is that's that's. That is a weapon for, for Joe Gallo. Yeah, I mean, the 2-3 the zone, it's it's very flexible in the sense that, um, you know, two years ago their strength was getting turnovers. And then, you know, you had, you had um, Idris Joyner kind of in the center of that. He was great at drawing charges. But now you got Jordan Minor anchoring the back of that zone. And then, obviously, Justin Connolly is also a great defensive big. So he backs up Minor really well and plays some good five-man for them as well. So, 
Um, yeah, now they, they have some rim protection, which is also scary. You know, so you put, you know, Watkins and Ed Mead and those guys, those quick, you know, quick guys who could generate turnovers at the top of the zone. And then, like you said, if that second level of defense gets stressed, there's Jordan Meyer to, re- to reject the shots like he did against Central Connecticut. From Merrimack to our friends in Staten Island, Wagner still unbeaten in NEC play. Big win over Bryant in overtime and a televised game last week. Really one of the better games that I've seen in recent years in the NEC. Ryan, heading into week three, what's your uh, quick take on the Seahawks? Yeah, we're going to talk about them a lot more in the podcast coming up here. But just kind of briefly, the fact that Wagner has really protected their home court. They're now 4-0 at the Spiro Center. They've won 10 of their last 11 there. And uh, obviously, it's a veteran group. When you can protect the home court the way they've done, they're obviously going to be one of the best teams in the league, and they're sitting pretty right now at 4-0. Ryan, speaking of Wagner, I think we have a special guest who's popping in here. Hang on one second. We have a very special guest joining us right now. It is Alex Morales, the current NEC Player of the Week, his third of the year he just won, and he's the reigning NEC Player of the Year. Alex, thanks for taking some time to talk to us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, Alex, we wanted to get you on to talk about last week's win over Bryant, two top teams in the NEC. It was a thriller on television. Tell me, how big was that um, comeback you made and how big was that win for your program at this point in the season? Well, yeah, it was a, it was, it was a big win just because of the way it happened. Uh, went down to start, uh, stayed together. Um, kept our, kept our coach, our brand going, which is, which is toughness and, uh, came out with a tough victory. So it was, it was, it was pretty big to see the way our guys responded and just an overall good team win. Alex, as far as the adjustments, you know, I know Bryant, they love to mix in their zones. They had, they gave you some one, three, one, they gave you some two, three. It seemed like you guys couldn't get comfortable in that first half. You were nine of 26 from inside the arc. And that's usually your bread and butter is making the mid range jumpers, getting to the lane. What kind of adjustments did you and the coaching staff have for that going into that second half? Because you guys are obviously a lot more efficient in the interior part in, in the paint area for the second half and overtime. Yeah, a big a big part of uh, the halftime was just our intensity. It was a lot of talks about intensity and letting the shots are going to fall, they're going to miss. But if we have our intensity and play the way we play, uh, that was the biggest emphasis in the locker room. It was just coming out, playing the way we do, embracing our culture, and then shots ended up falling. So, Alex, that game, that Bryant Wagner game, did it feel like a championship game? Because I feel like, you know, from the intensity standpoint, it felt like it looked like an NEC tournament game from my vantage point, NEC front row. How was it being on the court in that atmosphere? Yeah, it was It was definitely a great atmosphere. It was, it was, it was very, very intense. Uh, it was a good feeling to go through that with uh, a new team. I know we went through it last year. We got some additions. It was a great feeling to go through it with that team and see how everybody responded to it. There we go. That is Alex Morales. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We are honored to have you on our podcast and good luck the rest of the season to you and your Wagner teammates. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was great talking to Alex Morales, but we're going to keep the conversation with the green and white right now as we head to our Twitter timeout. Yeah. Nelson Castillo talking about, you know, the, highlighting the you know early front runner for NEC game of the year when Wagner outlasted Bryant in overtime, 84 to 81. I mean, that was just one of the best games I've seen in quite some time in Northeast Conference. Uh, 
you know, in terms of recent history, the Seahawks, you know, Brian had a great game plan. Phil Martelli Jr. did a great job kind of giving them different looks in the zone. Wagner only shot 29% in the first half, but eventually they took advantage of Brian's live ball turnovers. They got out in transition. They outscored, you know, they outscored Brian tremendously in fast break points. They forced 19 turnovers, had 17 points off those turnovers, and they really attacked the deep, the offensive glass with abandon. The first 14 minutes of that game, Wagner did not have a single offensive rebound. Just a great job by Bryant. But their bigs obviously got in foul trouble, um, and that really kind of um, hurt Phil Martelli in terms of his roster flexibility and their size down low. And Wagner, in the end, was kind of dominating the paint. And just a, just a great effort by Wagner to get to W, but also Bryant, too. I think Bryant really showed themselves to be a true contender in the league. I think we knew that going into this game, but the fact that they were right there, up four after, you know, after, after Adam Alita's uh, four-point play with about Amazing. 47 seconds left in the game, um, you know, the fact that Wagner was able to come back, force that turnover late um, from Peter Kiss and tie it and get into right into overtime where they obviously were outmanning Brian at that point due to foul trouble. Yeah, the Alita play, that's one of those jump, you know, one of my jump out of my chair moments that you don't see all that often. And then we had Elijah Ford doing the Chris Paul yo-yo dribble. Like, we had some flair in this game. It was fun. One of the things that you, you want to point out, you talked about the Bryant Biggs. So the, one of the reasons why I think the rematch, these two teams play in the final game of the regular season, and then who knows, maybe again deep in the playoffs, is that I don't know that we saw the best from either team. We had Hall Elijah and the Bryant Biggs in foul trouble, like you mentioned, and then fouling out. Then on the Wagner side, they shot three for 19 from three. So a poor shooting night. Wagner was still able to put 84 points on the board. And Bryant, who did so well in the first half, keeping Wagner off the boards, that in the second half, they didn't do as well because they didn't have their big. So I'm excited to see a full strength game again between these two. And hopefully, maybe at the end of the season, this is a game that'll uh, really mean something for top seed or home games in the tournament, whatever it may be. So two really really good teams and a, and a fun night of basketball at the Spurrow Sports Center. I love our under the radar segment each week. This time we go to Emmitsburg. Who's it going to be, Ryan Peters? I'm going to pick sophomore guard Josh Reeves in Mount St. Mary's. Good the reason pick. I'm picking him is he came up big in the second half at St. Francis, Brooklyn. You know, Mount was down 30 to 17 deep into the first half. At that point, the Terriers had a 89% chance of winning the game, but Mount St. Mary's really turned it around the second half. That was a big win for them, and Reeves was a huge part of that. He had 13 points and seven shots, five rebounds, two steals, and 17 critical minutes in the second half. He was coming off, you know, the catch-and-shoot threes, making them all in transition, in the corner. He got into the lane a couple times. Really kind of a dynamic game for, for Reeves. And this kind of show like this kind of highlights his potential. He's been known as a, a three-point shooter at Mount St. Mary's, but it's funny. When he was when he came out of high school and then prep school for uh, before Dan Engelstad signed him, he was known as a slasher, a guy who could finish around the rim. He's got a big body at 6'4. So he's kind of a mismatch at the two at the two spot if you're gonna play him there. So the fact that I think you know Reeves has a lot of upside. If he could kind of supplement that that catch and shoot game with the kind of driving and the slashing and getting downhill, I think he's going to become one of the better players in this league. 
Yeah, he's a he's a good one. And I was I was really impressed with the second half performance of the Mount. Uh, that team has talent and a lot of potential. And they put it all together there for, you know, at least the last 15, 17 minutes of that half. Um, they got a tough schedule coming up. So that's a good win for Dan Engelstad and crew. And uh, Josh Reeves was a big part of that. Now we head to our star watch. I know it's a player from Merrimack, but is it the player that we're all thinking of? I mean, look at Ziggy Reed in his last three league games. He's been fantastic. So he's my star watch this week. 17 points, four rebounds, shooting 58% in Merrimack's three wins in conference. And the thing that I love about Ziggy Reed, he's one of the most athletic four men in the league. I guess you could call him a four man, um, but he's really versatile. He's gotten to the line 19 times in the three games. And you could kind of see Reed's progression from his freshman year two and a half years ago to now. He's a lot more aggressive. Now he's drawing, you know, 4.2 fouls per 40 minutes a game. And when he gets to the line, when he's aggressive, he's very difficult to keep in front. He puts the defender on skates. And when he could shoot the ball well, like he has for Merrimack, Merrimack's offense has been so much better for in their winning games. Yeah, Ziggy Reed and Jordan Miner, uh, they make for a formidable front line for Merrimack. And we have some really good ones in the NEC. So when they're on their game, Merrimack's tough. Good pick for Starwatch, Ryan. We had some great plays last week. So the NEC play of the week voting was tough, but I love this one. Love this one. Kendall Davis, take us through this one, Ryan. I mean, if you're not going to put a body on Kendall Davis when you're looking to secure a defensive rebound, you're just playing with fire. I mean, case in point here, Davis started his sprint beyond, beyond the arc, the three-point line, and then he ends up throwing down Ty Flowers' missed three-pointer. Just a tremendous bout of athleticism here. And it was, it was not only was it a top 10 play worthy, but also was it a big, a big moment in the game. You know, that, that's a tight game in overtime against St. Francis University. So for him to come up with the offensive putback and kind of deny the lost possession to St. Francis University, that was huge in LIU winning that game. We're going to stick with the Sharks for our milestone segment. Ty Flowers, what did he do, Ryan? We're LIU heavy this week. Ty Flowers made his 200th three-pointer with the Sharks, um, you know, just he, just a great versatile player. He, he scored 21 points in the overtime victory against St. Francis University. Now he's just one point shy of the great former player of the year, Julian Boyd, for 12th all-time at LIU's all-time scoring list. Um, and, you know, Flowers has really been on a tear of late, you know, averaging 24 points, eight rebounds, two and a half steals over LIU's last six games, of which they are coincidentally four and two in those games. And, you know, the three-point shooting has been better for Ty Flowers this year. And when he's making threes and you supplement that with his kind of rangy game in the interior, he's, he's a player of the year candidate. Ty Flowers, the NEC active leader in scoring, rebounds, assists, and three-pointers. Amazing player. Um, it won't be his last milestone this year. I'm sure of that. Thanks, Ryan. We'll wrap the podcast with our game to watch, and it's a good one a rematch of the NEC tournament final from a season ago, Mount St. Mary's at Bryant in Smithfield, Rhode Island on Saturday, January 15th. Once again, it's going to be Bryant's kind of free flowing offense or one of the best offensive efficiencies in the league against the Mount St. Mary's stout defense. It's a small sample size, but in two games, the Mountaineers have held opponents to a 44% effective field goal percentage, but the Bulldogs are shooting 57% from two and they lead the NEC in free throw rates. This is going to be a great, offensive defensive battle once again in Bryant. 
Definitely looking forward to the NEC title rematch, Mountain Bryant, this weekend. We will have all 10 games this week, as always, on NEC Front Row for free and on the NEC On The Run series of apps. Well, that's a wrap, Ryan. Thanks for joining us this week. Reminder, NEC fans, we are on Saturday and Monday, MLK Day, and we will be back next week with another NEC On The Run podcast.